Hello everyone, welcome to Casual Experts Only, where we talk about all things nerdy and pop culture. Before we get started on today's episode, I did just want to mention our other podcast, The Cultured Pull List. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know that we recently, well at the beginning of this year, we partnered with The Cultured Nerd to be a part of their podcast network. One of the things we do now as part of that partnership is we do the Cultured Pull List, which is a podcast all about comic books. We talk about specific comic books and trade paperbacks and review them and talk about some current comics we're reading. It's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. Me and Luke host that. We do have a specific Cultured Pull List YouTube channel up now, as well as Cultured Pull List social media. So I If you do like this show, if you enjoy us, and you enjoy us talking, (laughs) uh, then I would definitely check that show out. I will leave links in the description to both the YouTube channel and the social media. But yeah, please check out the Cultured Pull List. Now, on with the show. Today I am joined by my friend, Caleb. He's been on the podcast before. Welcome back, Caleb. How's it going, everybody? Yeah, this episode we're going to be talking about the newest DC movie to come out, Blue Beetle. We're going to be talking all about it, doing a deep dive, as well as kind of talking about Blue Beetle's potential future in the new DCU. But, but, But before we get into that... We're going to be talking about a little bit of news. There's not a whole lot because the actors and writers strike is still going on. Um, honestly, it's mostly been a lot of rumors <laughs> going around the Internet because there's no actual news and people are still trying to get clicks. Um, but one of the biggest rumors recently has been about Doctor Strange 3. And there's some... This is according to the Cosmic Circus, which, you know, I, 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 I can't really vouch for their credibility. But they're saying, according to their sources, that Doctor Strange 3 is going to be based on the comic series or comic miniseries Time Runs Out. Which I guess will basically mean that Strange is going to be sought out by a multiversal organization called the Black Priests. And Clea, who showed up at the end of Doctor Strange 2, is a member of that organization. Um, and apparently the Black Priest HQ will be uh, in a nothing space of destroyed universes, which exists between the space of two dead universes caused by an incursion. So it's basically going to be a lot about, supposedly it's going to be a lot about incursions, which is supposed to lead into secret wars, um, which is interesting. But I mean, like, I don't know if they're going to really have time to have Doctor Strange 3 before Secret Wars. I don't know. Um, I, I guess that might be the plan, but... All this is kind of, you know, just speculation, I guess, because, you know, it just says, like, according to our sources, so they're unnamed sources, you know. I don't know. Could be interesting, I guess. What do you think? I definitely think it's got some potential. Yeah. Um, Charlize Theron. Yeah. If, I apologize if I butchered that, but she's a really good actress. Yeah. And I think she could definitely bring something exciting to the MCU, but I really don't know too much about her character. Mm, I know a little bit. In the comics, she and Doctor Strange were married at some point. Um, she's one of his main like love interests in the comics, but I don't really know much about the Time Runs Out storyline. It could be cool. I mean, I feel like they didn't really do that much with Multiverse and Multiverse of Madness, so it would yeah. be cool for them to actually delve more into that and incursions and 
uh, in this movie, but I mean, I haven't really heard any actual announcements about Doctor Strange 3. It seems like there's a million projects coming out from yeah. Marvel, so I just don't know where they're going to like slot that in, but um, that would be cool. I mean, if it goes directly, you know, if it ties into Secret Wars, that would be cool, but um, apparently, speaking of Marvel, the Marvel VFX artists are trying to unionize um, after a year of reports of crunch and low pay, uh, according to IGN. And I guess this isn't super surprising because, yeah, the last year, honestly, a lot the last few months, too, there's been a lot of VFX artists saying that I think Hollywood in general is like putting a lot of pressure on VFX artists with all the different demands. But it seems like Marvel, yeah. Marvel in particular, with all their shows and movies, is expecting a lot of VFX artists and giving them kind of crazy deadlines and not paying them enough so it's not super surprising that they're unionizing or trying to especially after the actors and writers strike but yeah i mean i feel like this could be like a mess for hollywood i mean there's already the actors and the writers on a strike if the vfx artists unionize and strike at some point you know that's gonna <laughs> like th things are just gonna be at a, a, a complete standstill in hollywood yeah that, that, that would be crazy, but, but I mean, good for them, I guess. Right. If, if, if I mean, I don't, succeeds. I don't blame them because it, like it's obvious just from the quality of some of the CGI that it's just you know they're just not being given enough time and being being given too much work. You know, they exactly. need to like Hollywood needs to cool it a bit, especially like <laughs> Disney and Marvel needs to calm down with all the projects. I think. Um, and just I agree. give people more time to make them, you know, it's like, I feel like movies, like not all movies, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that are like movies were better back in my day, you know, but like, I think yeah. a lot of movies have become very, um, like assembly line, you know, just like very, um, cor corporatized and just kind of like a product more than a movie, you know, um, I feel like Marvel's starting to feel that way. And a lot of other like big um, brands are starting to feel that way. And, you know, I just feel like maybe they just like slowed down and started putting more like time and effort into less projects, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. But I mean, maybe like the if, you know, the strike ends and there's actually a decent deal struck between the companies and the actors and writers and everything, maybe things will be different. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But moving on, the first trailer dropped for Rebel Moon, um, Zack Snyder's sci-fi epic that's coming exclusively to, to Netflix. And apparently it's being split into two parts, which was not known before. Uh, apparently the, the, for the first part is dropping on December 22nd, 2023. It's called A Child of Fire. And the second part is dropping on April 19th, 2024. Uh, it's called, and it's going to be subtitled The Scar Giver. Um, so that was not known before. that This just dropped a couple days ago with the first teaser trailer. Um, have you seen the trailer? I did not watch the trailer, um, but I did see a lot of the clips. And mm. I, I what it was today when I learned that it was the canceled Star Wars movie. 
So yeah. I saw some pictures and I'm like, oh, wow, yep. <laughs> yeah, it was originally, it wasn't quite canceled. It was originally a pitch um, that he had yeah, for a Star right. Wars movie. Yep. And um, like it got rejected. So he just kind of retooled it into its own universe and everything. Um, but it, it definitely kind of feels like, I feel like kind of Rogue One vibes like from Star Wars. Um, and like yeah. Andor, like it feels a little grittier like that, but like the cast is freaking great. Like Charlie Hunnam and, um, a- Anthony Hopkins is a freaking robot <laughs> in it. And That's like awesome. he narrates the trailer. Yeah. Like it looks really good. Like it's hard to get a, gra- a grasp of the actual story, yeah. um, but it, it does look pretty epic. So we'll see how that goes this December and April, I guess. And they're like Netflix is really trying to make a whole universe off this. Like there's a video game coming out and an animated series Holy and crap. stuff. So yeah, we'll see how like the reception is if it's actually, you know, like people actually give a crap, you know, when it yeah. comes out. Um from what I hear too, I don't know if they're still doing this, but from what I hear, there's gonna be a PG thirteen and an R rated version, like an uncut R rated version. Um so we'll see how yeah, we'll just see if that's still the case. Um, I'm assuming like the R-rated version is gonna be more violent, and um, from what I hear, it's like it, people have described it as like Star Wars with like sex and blood and gore. So I guess that could be interesting. Yeah, you, you know I'm not the biggest guy, biggest Zack Snyder fan, but it's definitely an intriguing movie. I'll definitely be watching it. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, it's probably smart to split it in, into two parts because I feel like he's kind of notorious for like five hour long movie, you know, yeah, and exactly. I feel like, you know, even though people will binge watch a series, you know, just sitting down and watching a, you know, a movie for that long is kind yeah. of a lot. So I think splitting it up into probably like two two hour movies is probably the smartest move. Um, But. Moving on to some legal battles. Apparently, Disney's being sued by TSG, um, the production company TSG, who has produced a lot of Fox movies in the past, including like Avatar, Logan, stuff like that. Uh, I guess they're suing D- Disney because of I'm not 100% like clear what this is 100% about, but Disney, when Disney bought out 20th Century Fox. Apparently they kind of screwed over TSG or something, and they only really they only recently realized it after an audit um, of like three of their biggest films or something. So they are saying that Disney cheated them out of money, I guess, with with that deal. No, I'm not 100 percent sure how that works, but I guess we'll see um, if TSG wins. I mean, honestly, they'll probably just settle with them. Disney will because yeah they're loaded but yeah um but speaking of suing the actress who plays the nun in the conjuring 2 and like the nun movies the nun spinoff movies um her name is Bonnie Aarons she she is suing Warner Brothers for merchandising money because apparently they've been using her likeness for a bunch of merchandise and she hasn't seen like any money from it, and you know it's it's like she isn't a CGI character. It's li- it's literally just her with makeup on, right? So, and they've also been like using her likeness as kind of a logo for the Conjuring universe. You know, since it, since it doesn't really have an official logo, they've just been kind of like using the nun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess she's suing Warner Brothers for 
merchandising m- money, which is in her contract, but she hasn't been paid for it. So, yeah, that'll, uh, yeah, it's like it's uh, it's always interesting to see like where these lawsuits go. You know, it's hard to tell if they're gonna go anywhere or not because you know one person suing a huge company. Like I'm sure I'm still not even sure what happened with Scarlett Johansson suing Disney. I can't remember. Yeah, if, like, it's true. I totally, I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I guess it, it, it seems like it was kind of handled quietly because, like, yeah. I, I remember hearing the reports that she was suing them, and then then that's it. So either she's still in in the legal battle, or they settled it like quietly, quietly out of court, or what? Yeah, I don't know. But last little bits of news here. There's some rumors been going around about DC stuff, and James Gunn has been, as usual, debunking them. So, uh, apparently. There, I, I don't know if you've been seeing this, but there's been these rumors going around that John Krasinski is like the front runner to play Batman in the DCU. I did see that, yep. Yeah, apparently it just started because there was this Batman like news scooper account on Twitter that just randomly tweeted a picture of John Krasinski, and that's it. And then people started freaking out, like, "Oh my god, John Krasinski's gonna be Batman!" You know, and. <laughs> Somebody asked James Gunn about it on threads, I think. I think James Gunn is mostly using threads now. It seems like he switched over from, from Twitter to threads. Um, but he, he responded saying, look, right now, nobody's talking about anything. There's a strike going on in the entertainment industry. And until that gets solved, nobody is having conversations about anything. What I entertain the idea of pl- of would I entertain the idea of playing my favorite superhero of all time? Nah, I'm good. Sounds like a lot of work. I would love it. Sign me up. What? Oh, what the hell? I'm re- I'm reading the wrong thing. <laughs> That's uh, oh. that that was Jensen Ackles. Somebody asked Jensen Ackles, okay, about um, playing Batman, and that was his <laughs> response. I was like, what the f- what? Why would James Gunn be playing Batman? Uh, <laughs> That'd be a good answer. What the heck? <laughs> That'd be nuts. Okay, so apparently this is Gunn's actual quote when asked about Krasinski as Batman. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't even have a script, and there's a strike happening. So no, no casting. So yeah, a little more. But yeah, like it's there's a strike going on. Why, why would there be casting? And, and honestly, yeah, like the person that people keep acting like James Gunn is going to be casting the new Batman, but I mean, it's going to be the director of The Brave and the Bold, which seems like it's going to be Andy Muschietti. So I, I don't know why people are like, you know, people seem to think that pe- people are seeming to expect James Gunn to just cast literally every major DC character right out of the gate. Yeah, exactly. Which it, it, it which is he's the leader. Right. Which it isn't going to happen. Like he's he's going to be more of like a Kevin Feige type. Like it seems like Kevin, Fe- like Peter Safran and James Gunn are sort of like both together like the Kevin Feige to to the DC yeah. universe. So that they're not going to like directly and intimately work with every single thing. Like they're they're going to let the directors do what they want to do for the most part as long as you know there but there is going to be like a wider story. But just the fact that they're like oh he's going to cast everybody. It's like no, the directors are going to cast once they actually start making the movie which they haven't, you know. The right. the next big thing on the docket is Superman Legacy, so I don't see them casting a Batman until the the Brave and the Bold script is written, which probably won't, you know, with, with the strike won't be for another year or so at least. Exactly. So but speaking of the DC universe, James Gunn was also asked about the i guess the 
the actual words were the lay of the land in the DCU. They're ba- basically asking him, like, does he know where, like, Gotham and Metropolis and Central City are? Because those have always been kind of nebulous in, in the movies. You know, like, they exist, yeah. but you're not really sure, like, where they exist in relation to each other. In, yeah. in, in in the comics, like Metropolis is often like regarded as like Chicago and like Gotham yeah. is like New York, I guess. And then Coast- New Jersey, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've heard New Jersey. Says New Jersey. Right. Yeah. And um, Coast City is like L.A., but they actually use the, the real life cities too, like New York and Chicago and L.A. And so, right. yeah, it would be kind of good to know where the, those are. And apparently... James Gunn did reply to this um, thread post saying that we are creating an incredibly detailed world map, which oh, is shoot. interesting, which which is pr- like, it's cool. Like, it, like, I know a lot of people who are saying, like, I just don't trust James Gunn to blah, 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 blah. And like, I, like I, I'm not really sure who else like you would rather have because he he's a comic nerd. Like he's he's like the perfect creative head because he knows not only does he know how to make stories, he's done it plenty of times already, but he also knows the universe and he's a nerd. So he he's going to want to create, you know, and a, a comic accurate yet, you know, cinematically immersive DC universe, you know. So yeah. I, I would I would much rather have like a comic nerd who's very creative and, and can actually come up with all this, these cool creative ideas while still sticking to the, you know, the characters in the comics and places and everything than just have some random executive guy or something, you know? Yeah, I agree. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some people will be like, oh, Christopher Nolan, which number one, <laughs> he, he would never do that. Number no. two, he is not a world builder. Like if no. if you watch those Dark Knight movies, they're basically just like downtown Chicago with Batman in it. You know, it's like exactly it's it doesn't feel like a separate world. He's not a world builder. He is not the person to build a, you know, expansive DC universe, even if he would want to, which he obviously doesn't. That's not his thing. Right. And with the whole like, you know, people are like, well, Jack Zack Snyder should be in charge. And like that ship sailed so long ago. Like, I don't understand why people can't just understand that. Like, it's not happening. Like, you yeah. know, it just I like I can't think of anybody else who would be better than James Gunn for this. Like, I'm not saying like James Gunn is Jesus, Christ, you know, but like I'm just saying that I can't think of anybody off the, off the top of my head who would be a better like creative lead for a DC universe, you know? Yeah. But any anyway, mini rant over. Let's talk about Blue Beetle. And just so y'all listening know, there will be spoilers. We are going to be getting in depth with this. So first off, overall thoughts, what do you think of Blue Beetle? I thought it was very fun. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that the trailer made the movie look a little bad compared to what I watched on the screen. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, it uh, it didn't look terrible, but it didn't look as good as the movie actually was. Yeah. I feel like the family. I, 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 going in, I thought the family was gonna be like a little cringy and have mm-hmm. like a lot of lame jokes. Yeah. Like in the trailer, when George Lopez says Batman's a fascist, yeah, I just thought that was kind of lame. Yeah. But when you actually watch the movie and like see the whole scene, like the delivery is nice and yeah, it actually like makes sense. Yeah, it character makes sense for his character. Yeah, because like the whole time he's like distrusting of basically all like entities you know and and like he even said like like his because he was comparing batman to ted cord 
and saying uh, that Ted Cord was like more of the people and everything. Yeah, I think the trailers definitely it definitely felt a little, you know, straight to streaming. I guess like it it definitely felt a little low budget from the trailers. Like it still it still looked good. I still like you know being a Blue Beetle fan, I was still l- looking forward to it. But seeing the actual movie, it didn't like you know it didn't feel like as huge budget as you know like an Avengers movie. Yeah. But it did it didn't really feel direct to streaming except maybe like one or two quick scenes, and those were more like CGI heavy like. Like those scenes where they showed like the scarab just kind of floating in like a blue backdrop looked a little bit like hokey, I guess. Yeah. But the rest of the movie, I didn't feel like, man, this this feels cheap. You know, it felt like a lower budget, but still really good, really well produced superhero movie, you know? And I feel like the suit was a big oh part of that. Yeah, because they, they did a, such it a good job. It was amazing. And B, the fact that like all of it was practical. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they did such a good job blending the practical suit with CGI. Like there are, there I can't remember a single moment where I could say for sure that he was a hundred percent CGI, because it all looks so good. And that was like major props to the VFX and the costume department. And part of me wonders because they they made the suit before and started production before they knew it was going to go to theaters. So part of me wonders if they made the practical suit like when they had a lower budget. And now I'm thinking maybe like just give superhero movies lower budgets and they'll make more practical suits that are awesome. No. <laughs> I don't know. I agree. But they, yeah, it's so cool that they actually made Cause I can't remember the last time they've ever done that. Cause even with like the Iron Man suits, they're only like partially made. And then the rest is filled in with CGI. Yeah. It's like the chess piece, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But like if you look behind the scenes and like set photos, the, the suits a hundred percent, practical the only thing that's cgi when it's not an action sequence is like his eyes maybe and when yeah you can kind of see like his face moving when when he's talking yeah which i think is a good idea because otherwise it just kind of be like a faceless mask you know and in in the comics jaime's jaime's face was very expressive even with the suit on yeah but, this is true and yeah speaking of the suit man like all the freaking gadgets well not gadgets but just all the things he could do with the suit was so cool i was very pleased with with what they did with that yeah i like before i saw that uh a lot of the fight scenes took inspiration from justice injustice yeah you you could clearly see that yeah yeah no it was phenomenal yeah it felt very much like injustice 2 and young justice like pretty much all the gadgets that he used um because he did use some I mean, you know, a lot of them are from the comics as well, but just the way that, you know, they put them into live action felt a lot like the video game and animated series. Like, the he had that one, like, gun that basically shot, like, restraints and stuff that reminded me a lot of Young Justice. He had that in Young Justice. Yeah, um, you're right. He used a lot of cool blades and cannons and stuff, which was awesome, perfect, you know. Loved that, loved the wings. It was really cool. Um, and th- there was that one thing he did where he basically made like a scoop and just like scooped a bunch of bad, like uh, out of his hands. And then just oh, yeah, it was like, like a cow catcher. Yeah. From that, like a train. <laughs> yeah. That was nuts. That was, I was not expecting that. That was one of the coolest ones. Cause I think I had, they kind of showed a lot of the, the weapons and stuff in the trailers, but there was definitely still some that he used that I was surprised by pleasantly. That was cool. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit, you talked briefly about the family, but I think they did a really good job 
with the family being like annoying enough where they felt like, yeah, like that, that that's somebody's family. Like if they were constantly just getting along and stuff like that's not b- believable at all. Um, yeah. but they weren't annoying where you're like, man, th- this, this, this movie's kind of pissing me off, you know, <laughs> like they did, they did pretty good. Like they didn't get a whole lot of development, but they were like there with Jaime, like the whole movie, which I felt was kind of unique. Like, I feel like most comic book movies might have, you know, a family member or something in it who helps, but it's rare to have such a family centric, like superhero, which yeah. I think is very, I, th- I think that's very true of the comics. Cause if you like, I, I just read like the original like 12 issues of the comics for my other podcast and like they're very family centric and it's very similar to the movie where they know his identity like pretty much right from the start so he's not like hiding his identity like spider-man or something the whole time yeah i i really feel like i was kind of watching a live action young justice blue beetle movie yeah yeah which is awesome because that's like (laughs) such a great version of that character Without a doubt. That's what made me, like, get so hyped for that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, like, as a Blue Beetle fan, as a Jaime Reyes, but also just a fan of, like, Ted Cord as well, I was mm-hmm. very pleased with this movie. It was, it, you could tell it was made by fans of the comics, which was awesome. That's always what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And, yes, yeah, speaking of that, they there was a lot more, like, former Blue Beetle stuff than I expected. I did expect them to, like, from the trailers, I expected them to use some of Ted Kord's gadgets and stuff. But I, I didn't expect his daughter to be, like, a main player in it. And I didn't expect them to spend so much time talking about Ted Kord and showing as much of his, you know, um, lair, I guess. Which I, I, th- I think he's he's definitely going to be in the sequel. Yeah, if... Man, I, I hope they make a sequel. I don't know if they will, but I, I hope they do. It's um, not performing too well at the box office right no. now, but... It's doing better James than people thought. Through. Yeah, it is. Because P- like the, the original projections were like 10 to 15 million domestic or something. And it made uh, a little, little over 25 million domestic. It's now sitting at almost 50,000 worldwide or 50,000, 50 million worldwide. Um, you know, which isn't awesome considering, you know, but like it, it, it is just the first week and a half it's been out. Um and it, it last weekend was like back to school weekend, so it yeah. might it might if it you know I'm trying to think if there's much coming out like before Labor Day it might get more of a bump in the in the following weeks, um especially with the good word of mouth that's uh, that I, I've been seeing about it, mm-hmm. um and I did like it did have like a budget of 104 million, and I did see some estimates saying that it probably needed to make twice that to break even however that's like because of a um like marketing budget and stuff and they really didn't spend much on marketing so i think that might be a little bit of a overestimate of how much it needs to make but i don't know we'll see i mean i f- it seems very clear that james gunn wants this version of blue beetle to go forward whether they make a sequel or not cuz he, he he said like a couple months ago that blue beetle is the first dcu character mm-hmm. and it like it the movie does lend to that like being able to do that because it is very standalone like B- batman superman and flash are mentioned but you don't know what version it is or anything like it, it is very standalone it could be in the new dc universe and uh, yeah i'm happy they kept it that way and yeah, and even at the premiere, or there were there was like some premiere or something for Blue Beetle that James Gunn went to, 
and he mentioned again on his it was like an Instagram post saying something about Blue Beetle being like the first DCU character. So I I really hope that means that he has like no matter what the movie does, he has decided to make this version of Blue Beetle like a character moving forward in his DCU cuz I yeah. I really want to see more of that cuz Jolo Maradona did a really good job. I loved that. And I, I really want to see more of Ted Cord with, like, that tag at the end, you know, or that end credit scene. Oh, man, yes. Yeah, which, yeah, which speaking of Ted Cord, um, the director did say something about um, Jason Sudeikis being his, like, top pick to play Ted Cord, which it was rumored a long time ago that he was playing Ted Cord. Mm. But we never actually see Ted Cord. We see a painting, which does look a lot like Jason, um, which I pointed out when we saw it. But uh, like we never actually see his face or anything, so I he, I don't think he was actually involved. But that would be an interesting to see him as Ted at some point in the future. He he's like perfect for it. Yeah, like, I, I know. just can't describe it. Like it'd be so amazing if that happened. Yeah, I think he'd do a really good blend of like you know humor and serious, especially after uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, see, I I haven't seen that. A lot of people have said that and said that he's great in it. So I need to check that out, I guess. But if this version of Blue Beetle does move forward into the DCU and is used a lot, I kind of hope they do it similar to how Young Justice did it, where like the Reach shows up at some point and ends up being yeah. like a big um, adversary for just the DC universe in general, and Blue Beetle is like the key to it. That would be very cool because that's something really cool about it, uh, this version of Blue Beetle as well is that. Um, you know, he's he's got the other scare like there's the black beetle, young justice, and in, introduce that green beetle, you know, there's there's a bunch of other different kind of beetles and I honestly missed it, but apparently during the like opening credits for the movie, they actually show the different colored scarabs like going off oh. in, into space. I, I totally missed that. So Holy that's crap. pretty sick. Yeah. Um and- I feel like that's like the perfect story for a sequel to that movie is like finding out yes. like the actual origin of the scarab and then yes. him coming across all the other beetles. Yeah, they did not do that much in the movie. They didn't talk too much about where it actually came from. They just said that the, that the scarab is alien and it's like, you know, it shows Jaime and that's pretty much it. They didn't really go much into its um, origins, which I mean, it makes sense in the original comics. They, they didn't know for a long time. Um, yeah, exactly. At least for the first like 12 issues of the series. So, I did also like in the opening credits that they showed um, like this news clip or something like that showing Dan Garrett finding the scarab in a pyramid. Yes, which I is saw that as yeah, well. it's directly from the comics. Dan Garrett being the first Blue Beetle, and we do see Dan Garrett's suit in Ted Cord's um, lair, which they 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 didn't come right out and say it was Dan Garrett's suit, but I'm assuming you know because it looks exactly like it, and Dan Garrett was Ted Cord's mentor. Okay, so that was. I saw the two suits, and yeah. I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one, the like the one with like the red like fin on the head and stuff is Dan yeah. Garrett, okay. and he's interesting because he actually had powers. Um, he he was he was able to activate the scarab, but it didn't actually latch onto him, but it still gave him powers. Um, I never knew that. And but Ted Cord was never able to activate it, so he just like held on to it. Um, but speak yeah. Speaking of the suits, we saw Dan Garrett's as well as Ted Cord's like. Or, OG comic suit, but there was also a suit missing, and I'm guessing that's like his main suit that he'd been using, and he disappeared with it. 
Yeah. So if we do ever see Ted Cord in the DCU, that'd be really cool to see that suit. You know, whatever like the updated version of his Blue Beetle suit would be. And honestly, I can't lie. As soon as they said that Ted Cord was missing and not mm-hmm. like found, yeah, dead, I knew, I knew he was gonna show up at the end. Me too. I instantly knew. I mean, I, I, I was, I was hoping he was actually gonna show up, not just like you know, like a message, a garbled message, but still, um, the fact that he's still alive, and I really hope they somehow continue, whether it's, you know, a, a movie or just continuing in like another DCU movie. I really hope they continue that story and plot thread. It would be really cool to see. Ted Kord's Blue Beetle and Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle like teaming up together. Yeah, if it's like something where like hey, we got the movie and it was very mm-hmm. family oriented, but if he's like by himself now with Ted Kord, yeah, discovering like the origin of all yeah. this stuff, I think that'd be like an amazing sequel. That would be really cool because we never actually see Ted Kord and Jaime Reyes together in the comics because Ted Kord dies right before yeah. Jaime becomes Blue Beetle. So yeah. it, it would be cool to see them actually like share the screen together. But Jenny Cord, Ted's daughter, she's like half Brazilian, I guess. Mm. Um, they like mention it briefly in the movie. And now like I'm totally to spitballing here. I'm sure it's not true. But do you do you know who Um, there's actually a comic character who is Brazilian? Um, She's a she's a superhero. Her name is Fire. And like, I'm, uh, you know, it's like none, I'm 98% sure they aren't going to do this, but it, w- it would be kind of cool if like her mom was actually like the superhero fire. Um, she's like a Justice League member and she like shows up very briefly in the Blue Beetle comics, but that would be an interesting connection though. I'm, I'm sure they, they, they aren't going to do that, but I just kind of thought of that today. Like, oh, there is actually a Brazilian superhero, but I do hope that would be pretty cool. I do hope in a sequel they they maybe like expand upon that a little bit more, like Jenny, her parents, because we don't see her parents at all. Like obviously Ted Cord is her dad, but we never really see her mom. So maybe seeing a little more about that and Ted and like you know how he well, met her his mom, wife and everything. Her mom's dead, right? Yeah, they yeah they I think they they very briefly touched on it. So maybe like I'd like I'd like to see that expanded a bit more, so we understand a little bit more, more like you know what yeah. Ted like and and kind of see more like about Ted when he was in his heyday, you know. I did think it was funny how they basically made him like Batman but worse. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of how it was in the comics. Like not that his gadgets were kind of janky, but it was more just like he he didn't have as much money as Batman and you know, he's like Blue Beetle instead of Batman. So he's a little more like cheesy and lame compared to Batman. So I thought it was funny how, like, you know, a lot of his gadgets and stuff just, like, weren't working or, like, you know, just weren't that great. I thought that was kind of funny. But, like, he's, you know, it was still, like, his gadget still worked pretty well for the most part. Yeah. Like the beetle. Um, well, I, mean, I think it's just called the bug. But I really yeah. liked that they used that in the movie. That was super cool. It was a really cool scene. Mm-hmm. I really liked the song <laughs> choice. Yeah, that was and cool. I really like how, like, family was so murderous yeah like they <laughs> they really gave his parent his like whole family stuff to do which i feel like in a lot of these movies the the, the they're just kind of there for comic relief or something like yeah. like they made his grandma freaking like ex-rebel in like uh <laughs> Me- mexico or so, like a mexican ex-rebel f- freedom fighter and stuff you know it was yeah. kind of funny like it was like you know if you're like really I don't know, like, I'm sure some people would find it cringy, but, you know, it was like, you know, I feel like it worked. 
Um, I agree. You know, it was kind of funny seeing his grandma just blowing people away with a high tech minigun. <laughs> and, oh, and and that and that like power glove was pretty cool that his sister used. It was like a yeah, shield, every- like a fist and stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen regular show, but there's like a video game controller exactly like that. I think and it's like an actual exactly thing like... that N- Nintendo tried to make a long time ago. I'm pretty sure you're right. I feel like I've seen that before. Yeah, but like it, it's been adapted in a lot of pop culture as like people use it as like a base to make actual like cool gadgets and stuff. Yeah. So the villains of the movie, I feel like were probably some of the weakest parts of the movie. Um. I thought they were okay. Like I think they were more they had more to them than I expected. From from the trailers they looked very basic like evil do bad kind of thing, you know. Yeah. But they did have like unique motivations though. Mm-hmm. Like they they weren't very fleshed out, but Victoria Cord had the motivation like you know, she was she basically started her company with her dad and then was cut out well not quite cut out but you know the company was tainted over to ted instead of her so she felt like slighted by that but she also seemed to want to she also seemed to have an agenda to like i guess like save the world with her omac program Mm -hmm. which speaking of omac that was interesting to see because omac is a big thing in the comics though in the comics it was very different so i'm kind of like on the fence about it like i like that they actually like brought it up and like you know used omac but at the same time, in, in in the comics, OMAC was like this program that was used by this satellite Batman built. And it kind of like became sentient and started making these OMAC drones that were specifically designed to like kill superhumans kind of thing. Um, so obviously this is very different. This was more just like a super soldier, like Iron Man type program. Yeah. Carapax 2. He had a little more of a motivation, and like they didn't really. I, 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 like I, I do feel like there were some scenes of his or something that got cut, because I feel like they wanted to like flesh him out more and give him more of a backstory, and they didn't until like the very end of the movie, where they like have flashes of <coughs> you know his backstory and everything, which I feel like it could have been a much more compelling villain if they had shown that earlier or something. Um, that being said, I did think he was kind of badass. Honestly, I think he was more badass without the huge suit when it was just like him, you know, with like, you know, the metal arm and stuff. Yeah, it was definitely some it was definitely a mirror villain. Yes. By the end, it was. I think at first it wasn't. And that's why I kind of liked him better at first. And then by the end, it was kind of a mirror villain. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, I will say, I think the only time I really thought the CGI was weak was there were a couple of shots of Carapax that looked a little like video gamey, you know, like this. Yeah. You know, um, it's, but speaking of video gamey, I thought the end fight between Jaime and Carapax felt like a video game cutscene in like a really good way. You know, like, it, like the, like what they were doing, the weapons they were using, how they were fighting just felt like it was something out of a video game. You know, you, you don't often see action like that in movies, to be honest. And I thought that was I really cool. Know. I definitely know where you're coming from. Yeah. I totally see that. Yeah. It was, I was, you know, like, it's not for everyone, you know. Some some people just, like, have a conniption if there's any sort of, like, CGI battles. But, yeah. I mean, I think if they're done right, which I think this was, they're really cool and really badass. I kind of wanted to talk about some things we didn't like about the movie, unless you wanted to say anything else before we 
get into that? Um, no, nothing I can think of. So I didn't like we kind of talked about the villains. I didn't love the villains. I didn't hate them. Like I was, you know, they 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 weren't as bad as I expected, but I didn't love them. They were a bit, you know, one dimensional. Um, I think I I I didn't love at the end that they basically just like downloaded whatever code was in the scarab to like make Omac better or whatever. Yeah, that felt that felt kind of lame. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it kind of just made him like worse ironmonger you know <laughs> at the end of iron yep. man um but like you know it did lead to a cool fight so that was cool i thought i did like that at the end carapax carapax whatever um ended up turning on victoria cord but i feel like they didn't like set up that he lost his memories they're just like oh you know he just said like oh i remember yeah now. <laughs> i was so confused yeah i was i'm like what is what what like my, my jaw was dropped like kind of in like a bad way yeah like i, I that was kind of confusing but i and, did but, like, like I, I feel like i could see that like betrayal coming mm-hmm. because she was kind of like an asshole to him yeah. in the beginning <laughs> yeah, and it turns out that like she like I guess she like killed his family or was responsible for that stuff, and I guess somehow she wiped his memories of it. But yeah, yeah. I feel like there was some scenes cut or something that explained more of his character because that felt a little bit out of left field. But I did like the way he just like dragged her in- into the fire and then just blew himself up. That, that was sick. that was kind of a Chad move. That yeah. was sick. Yeah, I don't. I-, I did think it was funny though how Jaime's like you know. Uh, Jaime and the Scarab are like, no, we're not killers. And then they're like, well, go go kill her, I guess. I think with Miss Cord, she was good, but we've just seen that type of character yeah. so much. Yeah. It just kind of like, like eh, but cor- it works. Corporate evil bad guy. Like, I think she did a good job, though, Susan yeah. Sarandon. Like, I did like how flippant she was. Like, she just didn't give a damn. You know, like, somebody could have, like, been melted with acid in front of her and be like who that looked that like it hurt you know something like you know she's like didn't <laughs> yeah but yeah it's, it's true she was kind of like stereotypical like yeah but i in speaking of that that scene too where Jaime was, was going to kill carapax and then the scarab stopped him i felt like there wasn't like enough development with the scarab to really warrant that necessarily i mean i i you know because like earlier in, in the movie Jaime said we're not killers, and then all of a sudden, you know, the scarab agrees with him by the end. I feel like there wasn't enough. I feel like yeah. there, 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 there wasn't enough interaction with the scarab and Jaime. Um, I completely agree. But to be fair, that is kind of how it was in the old comics. Like, not the old, old, but like, you know, the original Jaime Reyes comics. Because in those comics, you never know what the scarab is saying. It's just sort of like an alien language, and you just see him, like, responding to it. But you 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 never really get that much of a sense of like conversations because of that. But in like Young Justice and stuff, you actually hear what the Scarab is saying, and you know they actually it ha- actually has more of a personality, and they like go back and forth and banter. I I wish yeah. they had done more of that. Um, but it's not like what what they did was totally like contrary to the comics. I just wish they had done more like what the other adaptations had done. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Um. I think that's something that they're probably saving if there's a sequel. Probably. I, I also, one of the things I didn't like was the Scarab's voice. Yeah. We talked about this when we saw it, because like in, in Young Justice, it just sounds like a normal human. I just feel like it's a little too robotic and kind of annoying. I agree. Like, I don't hate it, but I don't love it, you know? And apparently, like, it, yeah. it's, it's weird because they, they hired um that Becky G, like the, she's an actress and singer. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. I had no idea that was yeah, her. Yeah, she, she's the voice, so I feel like they could have just had her 
speak more in her normal voice and not made it more robot and not made it that like robotic sounding, you know? Yeah, I would have been completely fine with that. But yeah, I'm not sure why they did that. But hopefully, like if they, when whenever he pops up again, which it seems like he likely will, I hope that they change that a bit. Other things I didn't love. I didn't love um that one like Doctor Sanchez character. He seemed kind of pointless and kind of like it was just, yeah. That was that was and the most like... cringy like aspect of the movie. I think was his character and yeah. the fact that she couldn't remember his name the whole time. Like okay, that's kind of. Yeah, I will say that there were a few scenes like that that were a little like trying to have some sort of social commentary, but felt kind of lazy. Like, I feel like with movies, you you can do it well by either making it like a satirical joke, you know, where it's, it's, it's actually kind of clever and funny, or you can make it like an actual serious, you know, discussion of some sort of issue. But th- these were neither. They were just really stupid scenes that were very like, come on, like what? Like when Jaime first showed up, um at cord industries like the white chick at the desk thought he was oh, like a janitor yeah. or some crap like that it was just like really dumb and lazy kind of you i know. feel like that was just kind of to display like the casual racism if no. you will, will that yeah um you know they experience no i totally agree but i i, I just think it was done done in a way that was kind of lazy like i feel like they could yeah. have done a similar scene that made it like I just didn't find it funny. It felt really stupid, like that. Like uh, I don't know. Yeah, because he literally tells the chick Jaime, and then she just goes Jamie. It's like yeah. what? How did like? Yeah, it was, it was kind of <laughs> stupid, and 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 just the fact that Vic Victoria like couldn't remember, you know, the actual doctor's name. Just called him Sanchez the whole time, which which was nothing like his name. I know, and then they just gave him like the most glorious death ever. Yeah, which I I did kind of like. How he just like got exploded. It's like oh yeah. frick. Um. I, I think the best scene with that, that was probably when Jaime and his sister, I can't remember her name, but they were working at Victoria Cord's house as like the cleaning staff. And I think Jaime, one, one of them tried to say hi to Victoria Cord and she just like totally ignored them. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was a good scene, like, you know, displaying like just the, the casual racism they have to deal with. The other scenes were just kind of like dumb, <laughs> I felt yeah um but yeah and, and i will say that i'm trying to think this is like the only this is like the first real latino superhero movie which it seems like a lot of people are praising it for you know i obviously like i'm not li- latino so i i don't know if it was an accurate representation of latin american culture or anything um but from what I've seen people talking about online, it seems like the family dynamic they have was very much kind of an amalgamation and just kind of, you know, just the general feeling of what Latin American families are kind of like, you know? So I think it's kind of cool that they actually like made a movie like this and it's not like they, you know, like it it is from the comics too. So I think it's cool. They finally adapted something like this. We did touch briefly on blue beetle going forward. It does seem like, James Gunn wants to use him in the, in the future. And I think there's even been talk of um, this technically being the first DCU movie, even though yeah. it's kind of a retcon. Um, but I feel like that works. Re- re- I, th- I think it works really well because it did a little bit of world building, but it was very standalone. And I think it, it could fit very nicely into a new universe that they're rebooting. Yeah, that makes sense. But all that to say, it was a very enjoyable movie. I really liked it. 
as a Blue Beetle fan, I was very satisfied. Um, a few things could have been tightened up a little bit. I do think it dragged a little bit, too. Uh, I feel like some of it could have been cut just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, there were some scenes that I felt dragged a little bit. I felt like the ending where, you know, at at that big facility, most of it was good, but I feel like some of it like felt like it was just like being dragged out and never ending, you know? <laughs> um, but overall, just really good movie could have been tightened up a little bit but it was one of the better dc one of the better dc movies in a while I agree. it was yeah it was a fun time uh and i hope more people see it no <laughs> because i want to see a sequel dang it exactly you motherfuckers get off your ass <laughs> watch this movie yeah what the hell uh i do i mean y- y'all y'all turned off for ant-man and then you bitched about it for six months like just freaking <laughs> go, go see this you know yeah, I don't know, but I really want to see a sequel, and I really want to see more of Joel Romero Duenia as Blue Beetle. I feel like he's, like, a perfect choice for this. Like, even before I saw the movie, I thought he, like, looked the part really well, and then seeing the movie, I'm like, I really like, you know, this version of the character, he did a really good job. And, yeah, we didn't really touch on this, but there were some, like, heartfelt and emotional moments in this movie. Um, like, I think mainly when his dad died, I was oh, not expecting man. that, and that, that that was like a really intense scene. And their house caught on fire. And God, like, the yeah, same that was night. that was rough, man. Oh, and when he gets dragged away, oh yeah. man. And I think they oh, did man. that well. Be I think they because I think if they had just used the claw and just managed to capture him, like without him being d- distracted by something major, it would have been kind of like, well, how to get captured? But like he literally looked over and saw his dad like having a heart attack and then he got yeah. captured you know that was yeah that was intense yeah good movie go see it if you have i mean i'm assuming if you've listened to this all the way through and you know listen to the spoiler warning you've probably seen it but if you haven't go see it it's good but Indeed. yeah thanks for being on the podcast bro thanks for talking about blue beetle with me anytime <laughs> all right man talk to you later talk to you later This has been Casual Experts Only. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice. And be sure to check us out on social media and YouTube. Links to those in the description. Until next time.